Hello and welcome to Clinical Library Longevity Podcast, where we explore the science behind healthy aging and longevity. I'm Olga Donica, I'm in charge of innovation and life science at Clinical Library. Hello everybody, I'm Simone Gibertoni, CEO of Clinical Library. Today we are pleased to welcome Professor Patrizia D'Amelio, Associate Professor and Head Doctor at the University Hospital in Lausanne. Her fields of interests are clinical and biological aspects of bone metabolisms and muscle disorders. In last years, Professor D'Amelio has been working on immunosenescence and also aging physiopathology. Professor D'Amelio, welcome to Clinic Library. Hello, thank you for inviting me. It's a really a pleasure for me to be here today. Well, today we'll focus on the mitochondrial role on healthy aging and more precisely on the muscles and brain. Professor D'Amelio, the more we read about you, the more we learn about our brain. The research group or division you lead uh, investigates cellular and molecular mechanisms involved in aging, but also senescence, with particular regards to the role of immune system and, of course, mitochondrial function in aging of the bone, muscle, and brain. First of all, can you explain what are exactly the mitochondria or mitochondria and how they, they these organelles, affect aging? First of all, they are my favorite organelles and uh, they work as the engine of the cell. So they are able to produce the energy that we need. They are able to interact with different metabolic pathways. Uh, they are able to digest the glucose, to digest the fatty acids and to detoxify the organism by the reactive oxygen and nitrogen species. Uh, so they are really important for all our cells to survive and to do their job. And they are of most importance for the tissue that have the most high le metabolic level, as for example, brain and muscles. That's why we are talking about these two tissues today. Mitochondrial dysfunction is a hallmark of the aging processes and age-related disorders, including, for example, one of the objectives of your research, sarcopenia, and also cognitive decline. So why mitochondria as a cellular engine is so important for our brain? So brain is a tissue with a high metabolic rate activity. That's why mitochondria plays a really important role in its function. They are important for the cellular life, for all of the cells, and in particular for brain, because as you know, neurons that are the cells that compose the brain tissue are cells that are not able to replicate. So once they are dead, is the end of the story. We cannot regenerate our neurons. So mitochondria are really important because they regulate protein homeostasis that we, we speak about this uh, pathway as proteostasis and this is of particular importance in the brain because when proteins accumulate in the brain the function of the brain is not more there so we lose some ability and in the clinical we lose our ability to our cognition. So it's really important to prevent protein to deposit in the brain. Uh, 
most of all, another important thing is that mitochondria regulate the information trafficking along the neurons. So as you know, neurons are cells that are elongated and they have an axon. Information travels along this axon and the, the, the presence and the trafficking of mitochondria is, uh, uh, is uh, possible and uh, um, helps information to travel along the neurons. So that's why the three reasons why mitochondria are really important in brain. And if we could somehow um, take a look in the brain aging and the importance of mitochondria, what would you say? First of all, I have to say that aging normally affects mitochondrial function. And uh, the decline in mitochondrial function has been considered one of the hallmarks of aging. So the two are interrelated. It's very difficult to say if it is aging that affects mitochondria or reduction of mitochondria function that affects aging. In general, I can say that uh, aging affects mitochondria and so we have a reduction of mitochondria function, uh, a change in mitochondrial number. So we have a reduction in mitochondrial number and we have also a change in mitochondrial morphology. So we can observe the changes at the microscope and these changes are related to altered function of mitochondria and are associated with altered function of different organs. Uh, so patients that have impaired cognition for different reasons and that are older patients have also reduced mitochondrial function. And this reduction is much more important in patients with diseases and in particular with brain diseases as respect to patients that have a normal healthy aging and healthy brain aging. That's why I think that mitochondria are really a biomarker of brain aging and also of muscle aging. Maybe I'm already dreaming, but can, can we prevent mitochondria from aging? How plan or let's say project some kind of interventions? We have some really exciting data suggesting that we can rejuvenate mitochondria. So we can not only prevent mitochondria for, uh, for aging, of aging, but we can reverse the aging processes. As you said, this is a dream, and of course, uh, we are, have some experimental data showing that, but in clinic, we are not still able to really demonstrate that this works and that we can not only reverse a biological reduction of mitochondrial function, but also the clinical phenotype that is associated. Uh, I've published some works on the field, but several other researchers demonstrate that if you give some molecules to mitochondria in vitro, but also in vivo, you can improve their function. And so you can sort of rejuvenate mitochondria and restore their ability to produce energy and uh, to, to breath, because they are also the source of the lung of the cells. Sure and uh, to, uh, to restore their shape. 
It has been suggested that the aging processes significantly affects protein metabolism, you are expecting protein metabolism, and actually enhances the muscle loss. Are protein involved in brain metabolism? This is a great question. Um, of course, first of all, I'd like to underline that aging itself uh, affects protein metabolism in different ways. From uh, one hand, patients reduce the protein intake as they age because of different reasons, because of swallowing problems, because of the so-called anorexia of the aging, uh, because of changes in their ability to taste different foods. And so this is one of the first problems that we have facing patients that age. On the second um, hand, we have also uh, an altered metabolism of the proteins because our gut is less able to absorb protein and our liver is less able to transform proteins in their essential components, uh, meaning the essential amino acids and in particular brain-chained amino acids. So when ages goes by, we have a reduction of our ability to use the protein that we, uh, we, we have as the dietary intake or food supplements, and we have also reduced protein intakes. It is really clear that protein plays an important role in muscle physiology, but we have also some data showing that uh, not really the whole protein, but brain-chained amino acids have important function in the brain, in maintaining health, the healthy brain. Um, because some of these, uh, these amino acids are used to form uh, neurotransmitters, and because brain-chained amino acids are important in order to maintain mitochondrial function. Interesting. Can we actually understand brain throughout physical performance? Uh, well, we have some uh, interaction, of course, between the physical performance, so muscle performance and bone, uh, sorry, <laughs> brain. And uh, of course, uh, one of the, the most striking thing that you see, and this was, is, is one of the first sign of uh, cognitive impairment is uh, the impairment of, uh, of visual spatial ability of the patients that lose the coordination. Uh, there are some uh, diseases and particular Alzheimer's diseases that really affect this uh, ability of the brain to coordinate muscular activity and uh, to coordinate the muscles and so movements with, with the eyes and so with our ability to write down, to do some exercises, to draw some, uh, some pictures. So this is really important. Another thing important to say is that some diseases affecting brain, as for example, Parkinson's disease, of course, has a direct uh, uh, effects on physical performance, but also non-organic diseases of brain. Uh, so we talk about, for example, depression has a huge impact on physical performance uh, because of mood, of course, but probably also because of other alteration in neuronal pathway that will affect physical performance. 
Professor D'Amelio, you also have done several works studying the role of specific nutrients in healthy aging and brain health. I'm still insisting with the brain. Could you share with us some of these scientific findings linking together brain and nutrition? Of course, uh, it's really a pleasure for me to discuss this as it's one of the heart of my research. And uh, it was done by chance. I mean that we were studying malnutrition and in particular we were studying patients, uh, older patients with a mean age of 84 years that was, uh, were affected by malnutrition. We take the patient that was uh, wearing an out clinic service in Italy, actually, and they, we randomized the patients to receive a food first approach. So we, go, we give the patient dietary advice or dietary advice plus brain chained amino acids. And this was a mixture of amino acids that were essential amino acids that you can find on the market. So not really developed for this uh, purpose, but we were meaning to see the health of muscles. So we measure the muscle health, muscle mass, muscle strength, and muscle performance at baseline after one month and after two months. And we also measure cognition, by the way, because as geriatrician, we usually do a comprehensive assessment. And we were really surprised because the patients that receive brain chain and amino acids that were not patients with uh, dementia, so they were, have not an impaired cognition, they were normal patients with a normal brain function for their age, improved significantly in the cognition tests. Uh, the, 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 the work was not meant to, uh, to do specific tests on cognition because we want to, to look at malnutrition and to, to health of masses. But uh, starting from that point, that work, we go back and we try to find other possible combination of nutrients and micronutrients that are able to st stimulate mitochondria and so to rejuvenate, as we said before, mitochondria and go back to the clinical phenotype. Um, the interesting uh, story in this paper was that actually we were able to demonstrate that giving brain chain amino acid to the patients, so not in vitro, not in animal model, was able to increase mitochondrial activity that we measure in peripheral blood monoclonal cells in these patients. And this was correlated to their muscle function but also more surprisingly uh, to their cognition. And uh, in that uh, paper, we also showed that this was, this was also mediated to the reduction of oxidative stress, thanks to the increased activity of mitochondria. So starting from that point, I have now some project investigating different mixtures of substances, micronutrients, amino acids, antioxidant substances, and vitamins that we want to give to our patients in order to investigate, of course, muscles and brain 
and uh, to look at how these uh, substances can change mitochondrial function and uh, how we can go back from the bench to the bedside to discover how we can help our patients. Patrizia, the trend is clear. Um, there is uh, way much more uh, understanding today about brain aging and age decline. Based on your research, how would you change the approach to brain aging today? This is really a good question, thank you. I think that uh, we really need to change our approach because today we are just treating patients that pop up uh, in our cabinet and ask us for a treatment for the imperial cognition. But the reality is that we really need to, to suggest patients when they are still healthy and they are starting to age to take some prevention, preventive measures as, uh, as I told before, good nutrition, physical exercise and so on. And we have to, to really stress that when the first signs of memory impairments and of reduced physical activity starts, we have to pay attention. It's not just aging. There's something going on, so you have to show to your, show your doctor, you have to go to your doctor and ask him or her for some uh, new things to do. And so I think that we are really need to, to, to change the approach that we have today to brain aging, but also to muscles aging. Because usually when I talk to, to doctors, they and to medical students, they say it's just a matter of aging. It's not a matter of aging, it's a disease. So we need to prevent the disease, to take care of it, to diagnose the disease and to treat the disease in the advanced stages. And from this point of view, is education helping us in uh, preventing uh, uh, aging decline? Of course. I think this is really important. We have to educate our patients, but also our doctors. So I think that general practitioners, that are the doctors that are most in contact, in contact and are the first line with the patients, must be aware of the fact that age is not a disease, is a physiological condition, as well as pregnancy. So we have to consider it as a physiological condition and to listen to our patients. So when the patient complain, we have to be able to answer and to give them some roads to follow. So not just talking to the patient saying, okay, but you, you are old, so this is not a disease. And on the other side, I think that the patients also must be aware that age is not a disease, it's just a number. So we can be healthy even though we are aging. Wonderful. Mm, Patricia, we have discussed it many times uh, uh, in the past about uh, oxidative stress, uh, inflammation, inflammaging, which is one of, let's say, key topics uh, for uh, clinic library. Um, is uh, the discussion about this subject is important with your patients uh, in the prevention of brain aging? 
Of course, it's important inflammation, oxidative stress, and mitochondrial dysfunction are three of the main hallmarks of aging. And we have some data showing that uh, in reality, the problem starts at mitochondrial level. So when you have a mitochondrial dysfunction, you start accumulating oxidative uh, stress, you start accumulating reactive oxygen species, uh, re uh, nitrogen, um, reactive nitrogen species, and you start to do inflammation. All these things will, uh, will uh, worst your age, will worst your brain aging. So when I talk to the patients, I try to explain them that they need to fight against inflammation. Um, and they need to prevent inflammation, oxidative stress, and mitochondrial dysfunction. So I usually use the image of a car. Of course, if your car is getting older, uh, she, will have, she will be less performant. But if you do, if you give your car the good fuel, even though it's really uh, expensive now, um, if you keep the spark plugs clean and you, do, you regularly check your car, she will live for a longer time and in better condition. Wonderful. Uh, now, two or three questions which are more on a personal level because I think all our listeners are very interested in understanding more about uh, uh, your research. Which are the, ch the main challenges that you have in your everyday job as a researcher on brain health? As a researcher, but uh, most of all as a clinician, I think that the most important challenge is to fight frailty. Frailty is a syndrome and that we can globally consider as unhealthy aging. And I think the three most important characteristics of frailty are muscle diseases and in particular sarcopenia, osteoporosis and in particular fractures that are often associated to sarcopenia and also to neurocognitive decline and neurocognitive decline and dementia. So the challenge is really to, to help our patients to, to, to go towards a road of healthy aging and to not take the, role, the, the road versus frailty. Uh, and I think that research is really important in this thing, in this field, because we still don't know all about frailty. We still don't know why one patient that has reduced mitochondrial function will develop dementia and why another one will develop uh, sarcopenia. So it's a matter, I think it's a matter of threshold, but it's also a matter of lifestyle, of exercise, of nutrition, and of genetic predisposition. So the real challenge is to understand where my patient is going before he go there. So this is the real challenge, I think, for me as a researcher, but as a researcher, but most of all as clinician. Wonderful. Let, let's make it now again on, uh, I'm interested, of course, in understanding uh, uh, what uh, you apply in your personal life. 
but let's make a joke. You have now to summarize all uh, the years of research into three takeaways for our listener, things which are easy for us to apply in our everyday life. And all your research summarizing these three takeaways. Which, which are the three takeaways that you would give to us? Three takeaways that uh, will seem very simple, but the reality, as you state, is that there are years and years and years of research behind. The first takeaway is exercise your body and exercise your mind. Uh, because, of course, the exercise will keep your brain health and will keep your muscle health and also your mitochondria health, because we know that there are, there are, there are works showing that a physical exercise can reduce mitochondrial dysfunction. The second point is nutrition. So you have to try to keep a healthy nutrition in terms of uh, percentage of macronutrients, so proteins, carbs, and fats but also in terms of micronutrients, so vitamins, oligoelements, and so on. Uh, avoid to, be, to, to drink, avoid to smoke, because this condition will increase your oxidative stress and will uh, kill your neurons and your muscle cells. And uh, the third is pay attention to the start of the symptoms. So if you lose your memory, if you are starting to, to have fatigue, let's pay attention to it. So do not under-evaluate the symptoms and go to your doctor. Wonderful. Thank you very much for this inspiring uh, insight. Professor D'Amelio, thank you for sharing with us your insights on healthy aging and thank you all for listening. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast channel to learn more on longevity and healthy aging. Thank you. Thank you. It was really a pleasure for me to be here today with you to share some data on science. Thank you, Patrizia.